Welcome in, welcome in, welcome friends to the newest edition of 3 In, 3 Out. What if the most unique Seahawks podcast out there, a little preview podcast. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out on Twitter, at Clinton Bon. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Find him out on, out on Twitter, at SeahawkersPod. And of course, we are joined by the protector of the Seahawks multiverse, Mr. Phil Lydic. Mr. Phil, you're coming in hot, helping people today, the good Samaritan that you are. And I'm sure you've got some some sultry what if to bring us for this Seahawks at Vikings week three game. Yes. Good to be back guys. Clinton, Brandon. I know every Seahawk fan is ready to wash the taste from our eyes last week, especially all uh, you wished for good weather. You got the good weather, but you didn't get the game result last week that we were all hoping for. And the Vikings didn't help us out either. So we got to punish them for not helping us out against the Arizona Cardinals. Last week, I did a little bit of a universes collide where the the previous opponent runs into us, the Hawks. And last week, the Vikings, of course, played the Cardinals. And I want to just say this about the Cardinals three times. Lucky, lucky, lucky. That was a lot of luck that took place. You, You name it, not just with the kick. I mean, if you watch the game, Many lucky things took place. The Vikings offense really, really oppressed me in the first three drives. They scored TDs. Um, Cook was gashing left and right. Play action bomb for 64. Uh, Dalvin, anytime, anytime he gets lanes, he's good. You know, inside, outside, short passes. I mean, it was a little bit scary to watch how easily handle it. In fact, the Vikings O-line I thought wasn't great. And I watched that first half O-line and they were just crushing it very very impressive uh in fact arizona had to start sending extras to to overcome it um lots of running touchdowns it was smooth cousins here's the word i would use for for cousins that we're going against opportunist i mean anything he was given he had the right amount of time in the pocket he seemed to get rid of it in time if he had an opening he'd take a short one he'd take a long one he just took what was there and nothing was like amazing other than Man, he makes good choices. He was quite the opportunist. Um, Cook didn't do a lot in the third, of course. Uh, he got a case of the Seahawk third quarter uh, <laughs> itis, I guess. And then um, he Cousins got landed had a on. He got landed on by JJ Watt. Yes, it was. It was painful. It was painful. Uh, Cousins had a fumble and recovered. So always watch for that. He seems to have hands in a spot where I think we can get one. Um, the O line in the second half wasn't quite as good. Now on defense. Um, they began with some self-destructing penalties play action seemed to really hurt them. They brought the pressure, but of course, Kyler is kind of uh, a stinker about pressure. He finds a way to escape it. And that didn't work very good, but they really held the cards rundown um, played them pretty well early. Uh, they had a great chance at a fumble recovery and they blew that more luck. Right. Um, and their coverage on the outside was better than I expected in the first half. That really got picked apart later. Uh, they had an awesome pick six by Vigil. Vigil was, uh, he was a game wrecker, it seemed like, for quite a while. Um, they gave up the edge in the second half. That all went away. And their defense was a lot of back and forth between man free and cover two. Whenever they did the man free, it seemed like, um, where they just ran the one single high where the rest of the guys were doing man, Kyler just dominated that. And I think Russ would as well. So when that happens, cover two, 
when Arizona chose to run or Kyler ran, that worked pretty good. But then Kyler makes some dumb decisions and go ahead and throw it. And that seemed to bite Kyler back against the cover two. So hopefully Russ saw some of that. Uh, good pressure in the second half by the Vikings D, but Kyler would just barely get it done over and over. Kept everybody in front um, until got struck deep. But the outside corners on the Vikings D, I, I want to say, are kind of slow. So if we can get enough time to beat them there, it looked a little bit slow. Before we get into what if, I, I don't know if there was any other thoughts uh, to, uh, to add to that, Brandon. Yes, the thing I was going to say about the single high was um, when the Cardinals were having success against single high, it was because Kyler was throwing to his tight ends. Ah, uh, yes. And yeah. uh, we didn't do that very much this last game. So we I'm kind of really hoping that, that if they give that look to us, we can actually get the Seahawks tight ends involved in this game. Now, quick question, quick question. Um, did Max Williams get all those touches because he has two X's in his names? Is that... It's That's, a double X max. So he like gets, X, he gets, X marks the spot. Yeah. He, gets, he, double, marks the spot. he double marks the spot. So he got lots of, lots of targets. Is that, so I'm saying, do we have to do something with like, you know, Gerald or, or Wills or something we got to do here? I mean, Will's got two S's, right? Will Disley. So something we need to perhaps. market on his page, on his uh, tablet there. Russ, see this TE right here. He's going to be open a lot. Yeah, I, I really, really would love I really hope we get back to throwing the ball to the tight end this time. And then Brandon, in your pregame show, you had talked about, um, well, the gentleman you had on talked about the O-line being pretty good, actually, right? Which, to me, I, I didn't really know much about the Vikings O-line. Kind of still don't. But what did you take away from your preview show about, about that that I think Phil was getting to a little bit, too? Yeah, they were really happy about the O-line for once. And hearing that from a Minnesota fan is not something that I've heard in the last few years. Yes. <laughs> Arif Hassan, I just heard him uh, yesterday. He was saying this is the best O-line he's seen the Vikings have in a long time. And he's kind of a watches the Seahawks, but he's a Vikings fan kind of guy. And he's really impressed with their line. So that was interesting. It, it showed up on the game, no doubt about it. You guys ready for some what if? We certainly are. Let's, well, let's rock and roll. Another matchup here with a 2012 quarterback seems to be uh, what we're running into here lately. A couple of the guys that weren't taken as early. Mr. Russell Wilson, of course, is the best of the draft, but maybe right in there next uh, would be Mr. Kirk Cousins. I've always kind of got a kick out of his game. And I especially, I especially, and so we're going to base what if around this. I especially liked Mr. Cousins post game when he did this. You like that? You like that? <laughs> so this is a special what if out for uh, Mr. Cousins that we're facing this week. It is what if you like that? You like that. And so there's three sections as always. We like that. Not like that. And just like that. So oh, we like that, sultry. not like that, just like that. We'll start off with we like that. And I think the first question, the first opportunity to respond goes out to Brandon this week because, what, it's an odd week. So that means it's Brandon's uh, turn to start. But on we like that, we like that. What if, and I think many Hawk fans hope this, actually, what if DK is finally dominant? Why and how much does it matter? What if DK is dominant this week and then how much does it matter, Brandon? Well, you put it nicely when you said these corners are slow and DK is fast. So yes. <laughs> if if DK is dominating, I'm not sure we take much from it uh, apart from the fact that really he should dominate against these Vikings corners. 
And this this really does feel like a get right week for him after he's had kind of average weeks here to start the season. Do you think anytime they're not doing the cover two, Russ needs to be looking for DK on the outside, Brandon? Look for the dude that's open. I you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna shade to DK's side and leave Tyler one on one with those types of matchups, which he's had here now for the last couple of weeks, I'll take another two touchdown, two hundred yard performance from Tyler. I'll take that every week. How about you, Clinton? What if DK is dominant? Why is this happening? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that if, if DK, you know, when I, when I think about a DK dominant game, I, I hearken back to like the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, playoff W where he's, he's throwing up the deuces to lead the field and things like that. Right. Just, just the man of the hour and, and the best player on the field that day. So I'm thinking about that, that kind of dominance for me. I think if DK is dominant, it's, it's because, and why is because, um, because we're using, we're back, we're back to using the middle of the field. And I might be like, well, what does that mean for him? Because it opens things up. You be, that's, that's the why. Like when we get back to the 2020 50, you know, 50% uh, percent balls, 50, 50 balls down the sideline. All right. He might come down with one or two of those, but that's the hope is not a strategy. However, <laughs> if we're, if we're using the field the right way and DK is getting one-on-one situations because, because you know, the cover two beaters and the whole thing already, well, then I think we're playing a solid game. So yes. it's like, it's like if DK's dominant, I, I think it's because we're, we're kind of back to what we saw more in week one. Um, and maybe it just flip-flops from Tyler over to DK this time, which is totally fine. And I, and I would say this too. I think if either of our dudes are dominant, our top two guys, you know, we probably wouldn't, we'd probably win this game. I felt the same way last week. Tyler was dominant. We still lost, but that's, that's my answer there, Phil. I think it's uh, because we're playing a holistic, you know, smooth, using all of the fields and DK is getting his deep shots. And I agree. If this version of the universe happens, we would like that. Absolutely, Captain Kirk. We would like that. But <laughs> it would be because not necessarily Russ and Shane set out to say, we're helping DK dominate, but rather let's get Gerald, let's get Will on those short ones. All of a sudden, the safeties really have to look out. And then DK just naturally, organically becomes open. And if he's dominating in the right way, not because we set out to see him dominate, I think it could be a beautiful progression that took place. I do want to add one real quick thing too, is like, you know, last year we saw a couple of, couple of touchdowns where DK did drag roots across the cross, got it, turned up field and was gone. Like did, you know, did he had one, I think in particular, maybe it was first the Niners. You know, I'd, I'd also like to see DK over the middle. You know, I'd like to see DK on slants, DK in the seam also, you know, using, using, get, get him into space as well. Let's see what that. Let's see what happens there. And I do think the D Eskridge piece mi missing that speed, Stella. I hope that dude's back. All right. So moving over to the other side, what if Mr. Kirk Cousins? And this would be something he won't like, but we would like it. If Mr. Cousins has no comfort, in other words, his social distancing <laughs> quadrant there is zero. Who all do you expect to be responsible? I mean, their O line looked pretty good last week. But if Cousins is just under constant pressure, and I think that's going to be necessary, who would you say is mostly responsible for that? Okay, I'm going, this is my, my go. I'm going youth movement. I'm going youth movement here because the reason being is we did hear uh, Carol chirping quite a bit that Robinson's got to get more time. Yeah. He's going to get more time and that Taylor should get more snaps. So if we're, if we're dominant on the edges with the, with the youngins, then I think, you know, I think Cousins is going to have a bad time. So my, my prediction is Carol says Robinson's going to get more time. 
I trust that that he will. I think um, hopefully his percentages carry over his you know his pass rush uh, success rates, and away we go. And he and he's they're haranguing the gentleman all day long, and Robinson being the the keystone to us keeping the pressure up. How about you, Brandon? I'm actually going to take it from the other aspect because Carlos Dunlap was MIA this last week yeah, that's true. Uh, against the Titans. And so he should be well-rested. He, he should be well-rested and ready to go against this Vikings team. I want to see some production and I want to see some Carlos Dunlap in Kirk Cousins' face. So we like that. We like DK being dominant. We like Cousins under pressure. I mean, those things would be so fun to see. But what if we're saying not like that, Kirk? No, no, no. We don't like that. What if, and I know this would be very sad for Mr. Wilson. In fact, this is something very precious to him. He might even be over there say, he stole from us. I mean, he might be pretty upset if this is taken. What if they do find a way to take the deep ball from us? How should Russ, and this might be a little more philosophical, Brandon, but how should Russ be approached to help him understand we can still win the game if they're trying to take the deep ball away from us, Brandon? Like Clinton was talking about earlier, the middle of the field, they they didn't have to uh, really account for Russ going over the middle in this last game against the Titans. He, he got away from it completely. Draw up some plays specifically for Russ to look at the middle of the field and and get him going there. Hopefully do it early. And that way it's uh, it can start to to develop success later on. I think one of the best drives that we saw from this team against the Titans was that two minute drive to the end zone right before the half Yes, where they were. And, and that wasn't toward the middle of the field, but they were hitting quick passes to the edges and, you know, nice, easy completions. And then it, you saw how it opened up the, the running game in the middle Absolutely. of the field. So whether it's the running game or the passing game, that middle of the field, that's part of the field too. Because don't you think, Clinton, the only way they're taking away the deep ball is if their safeties, which are their better DBs, are emphasizing to take that away. And shouldn't Russ be able to be convinced that that's going to leave something else available, Clinton? I would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, I think I think my my answer won't be a divergence so much as a an addition, you know, in addition to um, using the middle of the field and and planning to use the middle of the field. One thing I'm clamoring for, which is if the deep stuff is taken away, what I, what I really want to see is I want to see Russ use his feet. I want to see a couple of read options where Russ is is pulling it back and then keeping the defenses honest and using his feet to on purpose, like planned runs, get you know to loosen things up once again. Listen, I watched the Monday Night Football game. It was close for a bit, and when you see Jared Goff running a read option and busting it down the left hand side, he's and he's not touched for like 16 some odd yards, like because it's just they're not expecting it. Perfectly timed play call. And he doesn't get hit. There's no hit. He just takes his slide or gets out of bounds. It's just like if Goff can do that and we're not doing it a lot, like Russ is not doing read options where he's pulling it down just once or twice. Do it once or twice. It loosens things up. And that is a way to combat the fact if your deep ball is being taken away. Well, Russ, go do it yourself. Another not like that, we don't like that, is what if in the first half this happens again? What happened to the cards? Dalvin was really cooking. Captain Kirk is cruising. I mean, he set sail to warp speed. 
and the first half things are going smooth and humming along for their offense this would be different than we've had so far in a seahawk game this year but what if we come to halftime and this begins to happen how are we going to knock them out of warp speed what what are we what adjustments might we need to make and, and this is really going into a what if universe because we haven't quite seen that yet this year but what do you think might be going wrong what do you how do you think we might need to change it uh i believe this is you first clinton this one's difficult because I'm not a huge believer that Ken Norton is a huge believer in in adjustments, okay. in mid-game adjustments. Um, you know, I know he does it. I'm sure they do it. Just doesn't seem to show up on film all that often that that they 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 recognize something that's working and they purposely go shut that back down and, and make the other team adjust to your adjustments. Um keep doing it, doing it better. Is that what <laughs> Keep doing it. Just do it better. Or you think they're going to go with no, that? No, I hope not. Because once again, hope, you know, hope is not a strategy there. So I would think that if, um, if, if things are just not first half, if we're, if we're not getting home with, with four dudes, then maybe we just go on the Jamal Adams, you know, uh, let loose Jamal Adams tour and, and see, let, let's put it this way. If the Vikings put up 20 points in the first half and are just, you know, 20, 24 points and they're moving the ball at will, I think it might be a little bit of like, hey, let's let's just let's just let Jamal do do his things and let his bring his blitz rate up there. It might not work. You might get burned that way. I'm not saying it's it's the it's the plan. Yeah. I'm just suggesting that it's a possibility that it's a possibility that they 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 lean That's into what the that. cards did. Yeah. The cards brought the heat in the second half and it seemed to really work. It threw them off. How about you, Brandon? Yeah, well, it really depends on what they are doing in the first half sure. to what the adjustments that would be made in the second half. I, I guess I see that if the Vikings are really cooking in the first half, I don't expect it as much from Cook in this game just because he is kind of nursing that ankle injury. And yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be as explosive as maybe we saw him uh, in that first half against the Cardinals. So I'm not necessarily expecting it from him, but I would be expecting then that Kirk and the receivers would be lighting it up against the Seahawks cornerbacks. And part of the reason would be too, because he's having all day to throw back there. So whether or not that comes from the Seahawks defensive line, just not again, uh, not able to put the pressure on like we saw a little bit with Tannehill and his offensive line in the second half. So if they're lighting it up, then I want to see a change at corner and okay. it could be Sidney Jones time personnel. Yep. Yes. I, th I think some personnel changes. I think that's a, yeah, real quick. I think it's a great point, Brandon. Like I did, I just wasn't thinking like literally we still could, you know, get, get out of the Trey flowers uh, area, put Jones in one thing I will say about cook, you know, being an avid fantasy football player, cook does this a lot. Cook does this thing where, I'm not saying he's, you know, he's, he's, he's playing, he's, he's, you know, he's faking it here. I'm sure he's legitimately hurt. He'll do this all week. And then people are scrambling to go get, you know, uh, Madison yeah. on their team as a backup. And then cook comes out and he just freaking he's great yes. the next week. So just, just be careful with that one well, because I've seen it. it be too, careful too with times. the fact too, is that even if cook's not in there, Madison is still a darn good running he's back good. too. So yeah. I, I think that, in terms of the Seahawks, they still have to be concerned with the Vikings running game, whether Cook is his usual self or not. And isn't Cook kind of the anti-Henry? Like, isn't it typical that Cook lights it up in the first and Henry just keeps going? And if they keep trusting it, he takes off in the second. 
Uh, hasn't that been a little bit historically true when you've watched kind of how their scores go, Clinton? Have you noticed that? I honestly haven't. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if like Cook kind of wears down. What I what I have seen is that Cook literally gets dinged a lot. Like yeah. he ends oh, yeah. up. He ends up like, you know, in, in a second half situation where he's just not he's just not as healthy as he was entering the game. That does happen quite often. Um, and that could just be the you know, that might be the uh, the Occam's razor there. And all those nine yard runs he was getting against the cards in the first half. I was sitting there watching on about you, Brandon. There's no way that's happening against the Seahawks. Wide open holes in the first half. They always start out with a clean discipline run after run. Just slot line here, line here. Uh, these big gaps. I just don't remember that happening. Bobby is not going to let hole after hole after hole happen on his defense. So I'm not as concerned about that. I think you guys are probably right. If we're getting lit up in the first, it's probably that passing game or dump offs to cook, you know, something like that. Okay. We keep moving here move to just like that. And I want to talk a little bit about successful plays. I did look at uh, sharp footballstats.com a little bit. They got some unique things uh, you can see on some stats. Believe it or not, Seattle is number four on successful plays on first down. And you probably believe this, they're number 20 on successful plays on third down. Meanwhile, Minnesota is 23rd on first down and 29th on third down. So Minnesota's success is all about the big play. We're both good at big plays. But here's what I wanted to, because when it comes to explosive plays, Seattle is fifth, Minnesota is seventh. These are very uh, successful for us. But here, here I want to take a little twist just like that because I think this would be a key to success if the universe goes this way. What if this happens, we're able to avoid, people always talk about third down success. What if we're able to avoid excessive amounts of third downs? And if you look back over the Seahawks successful games, they really end up with fewer third downs, period. And um, so what if we are able to avoid those, you know, less than one per drive would be really good. You get about 12 drives um, and 10 third downs is kind of a, a point where if you stay under that, you can be pretty successful. So what, uh, what if we're able to avoid third downs? How did we succeed at that? How did we succeed if we're able to avoid excessive third downs, Brandon? Chris Carson. If we're seeing Chris Carson moving the ball early in this game, then I think that's going to really help Russ build off of that. And that's because what we know of the Shane Waldron offense coming from the Sean McVay system, you know, we see it from the 49ers too. So much of the success around moving the ball down the field is built off of the run game. And we heard Pete talk about that this last week just how the the success of the run really the, how they felt that in the second half of the last game. So yeah. if Chris Carson is getting uh, early down carries first, second down uh, and, and is picking up five yards, you know, to where if, if they go to second down and it's second five and, 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 you know, Chris is carrying the ball and they're avoiding that third down that way by him moving the ball then I think that's what's going to lead to success. So you're saying try it, not try running more, succeed at running more, right? Succeed at running more. <laughs> yes. How about you, Clinton? Well, I, I like that plan because I do I do love me some Chris Carson, as everybody, as the, the listeners probably know, I definitely love me some Chris Carson. Um, I think it's it's a it could be a combination of, again, leaping off of what Brandon said. It's it's kind of like more touch, it's more touches for the people that didn't get touches last game, also, right? So 
Chris Carson is in that bucket. More targets for him. We haven't done any pop passes yet. We've had a couple of the, you know, the fly sweeps, no pop passes yet. We have not really, last game, we didn't screen well at all. Yeah. The tight end screens, wide receiver screens. I think we I don't even think we tried to run it, a running back screen. So the screen game was just not very good last week. So that's what I, I, I would be looking for is be, because when you're screening on like, you know, a first down screen where it's a play action, you think a run's coming very often those go for eight, nine yards, and then you're picking it up on second down, or you might just get a first down on that screen if you're being successful with it, which, which is a way to move down the field and not have too many third downs. So that's what I'm gravitating towards is overall more touches, more touches to the running backs, uh, you know, more, um, more attempts. Are you saying variations for touches for the running backs and the tight ends a little bit? It it is. It's just it again. It's like the folks who like last week. It was what eleven targets for Metcalf, eleven targets for Lockett. Uh, Swain had a had a healthy number, and then it really falls off a cliff. Right, yeah. that there's not that much after that. So it's it's a little bit more variation. It's just more volume for the dudes who are not named Lockett and Metcalf. Also, good, yeah, because we're very good on first down. Uh, second down was kind of a you know a big difference on whether or not we succeeded is to bypassing that third or getting it to a really manageable one. Well, both are top seven as explosives, as I said, so explosives are going to be key. And I have a tendency to think that luck is going to be a key, unfortunately. And so what if it is, I think, you know, I think Seattle has an advantage on that, whatever that might mean, especially if the 12s do their job properly, but Aside from luck, because you can't, it's not a plan. That's a hope. That's like you're saying here. Explosives <laughs> are a huge key for both of these teams just because of the way that they function defensively and offensively. What's going to be the key for us to win that explosive slash turnover battle, but especially leaning more toward the explosives? What's going to be key for us winning that battle in this game, Clinton? All right. I'm going to throw a name out there that so last time. Well, uh, I, I was I was mentioning that if we heard the name McNichols more than once, yeah. that we that that it's not going to be great. That the Titans were going to be chewing up the middle of the field, like dump offs to that guy. Hate to say it was right. I was right. So in this one, um, what I what I don't want to hear, I do not want to hear a lot of the name KJ KJ Osborne. I don't want to hear about KJ Osborne uh, as who you know as their third wide receiver making big plays downfield. He's another big playmaker. It's like you Thielen is not usually not going to be like the dude that's, you know, getting you 20, 25 yards downfield. Justin Jefferson certainly can, yeah. certainly will. Cook, hey, if he breaks a couple, that's doubt he's, he's a very good running back. Won't be shocked. But it's like if that tertiary guy, that's what it really boils down to. It's like you expect some from Justin Jefferson. You expect maybe a couple of explosive plays from Dalvin Cook, whether that's a screen game or it just breaks a run or two for over 16 yards or 12 yards. I think 12 is the measurable for, for running. But if we hear the third guy, KJ Osborne, also getting explosive plays, then that means we're not having a not having a good day. So how to defend it, I don't really know, but I want to just put the spotlight on that dude and say, let's let's silence him and Keep it to you know. Keep it to the dudes we know, and not get burned by the guy that not, not many people know just yet. Since Clinton focused on the Vikings' offense, I will focus on the Vikings' defense. And explosive plays then are going to need to come from the fact that 
Uh, I And I got a sense of this from my interview with the Vikings that Patrick Peterson is on the downhill trend of his career. But I felt like last time when he was lining up against DK Metcalf in those Arizona Cardinals games last year, that he was doing a pretty good job of shutting him down. Hmm. And so a matchup to watch is to truly see if Patrick Peterson is lining up against Metcalf and if DK then can have those big days against one of the guys who was formerly a top cornerback in the league because uh, it's either resurgence or maybe a new surgence for DK Metcalf. And Bashad Breland is not very good either. So, I mean, I think they need some help either way. I, I, and I'm, I'm counting on success there. I just, I'm curious if P2 is going to, if we're going to see him at his old form, kind of getting up for that matchup against DK. He did okay last week. I mean, he was, he was better um, against their number he one. Got, he got beat a couple times too, though. Yeah. I, I think corner in general is going to be a huge key to this, right? And and then where the safety shade at the right time, pressure always is a key. But if if our corners, this is a game for them to outplay their corners, believe it or not, and, and they need to step up. And if they do, if our corners outplay their corners, I think that's a, a success successful recipe for us. And we can answer to Mr. Cousins, yes, we like that. Just like that, we do. Anything else to add, guys? <laughs> I think I like the show. A good format this week, Phil. Phil, you, you, you've done a nice job once again as the protector of the multiverse. We we certainly we very I I know I appreciate it. Hope folks are I hope folks at home are really enjoying the new the new preview, the unique three and three out what if preview. And with that, this is not the only show, Brandon, that's on the Field Goals podcast or the Seahawkers podcast or all the other things. So why don't you tell the good folks of the multiverse how they could check you out, of course. Yes, if you want to make sure that you get each and every episode, go to fieldgoals.com, click on the podcast button, make sure you subscribe to the show at your favorite podcast app. You never want to miss an episode. You can also go to patreon.com slash flock. That way you can get in our Discord group if you want to chat with us. Phil, Phil made his way into the Discord this week, so we nice, have a nice, a nice group of everybody all getting together there. And you can be yeah, a part of the three in three out universe along with us on discord while we watch the game. Yeah. I say it every single week, um, you know, for the folks out there that are enjoying the content, it's all great. It's, it's out there. And if you are compelled to, to throw in a few bucks or more than a few bucks, you're going to get a lot of love and value back for that because the discord is fun. The Seahawkers pod ring of honor is a blast. Uh, you know, just kudos to, to Brandon, you and Adam, what you've created is, is a passionate, passionate community. And every single week, I don't know, I wake up on Sundays. It's like Christmas morning. Every single time I get to go, I, I live in Connecticut. I live in Connecticut. I get to crack a beer, go into discord, have Facebook open. I got, you know, direct TV on one screen. I get Xfinity on the other screen and I'm, and I'm hanging out with, with buds, you know, all, through, through the interwebs. It's really nice. And maybe you had a few thoughts. You were listening to what if, and what would you do? Maybe you want to throw it in. Here's how I would handle that scenario. Here's how Pete or Ken needs to handle that scenario. You want to throw it in there and see if maybe you were right. Um, but that's it for the show today. So gentlemen, what if we say go Hawks? Go, go Hawks. Hawks.